Glad to be back here. As I prayed earlier, Jacob is preaching in Russellville. It's one of the ways that we, even as a smaller church, can support uh, our sister churches, and they're even smaller than we are. Um, so to be able to support uh, the work that God's doing in North Alabama. And so Jacob's there, but I appreciate him filling the pulpit uh, last Sunday as well. As we come to the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, we're almost done with this series. We're almost to what the preacher calls the end of the matter. I'm going to preach through the first eight verses, and then we'll conclude our series next week. We find a familiar refrain at the end of this particular passage. Verse 8, vanity of vanities. And so uh, we want to receive what God is speaking to us here through the author of Ecclesiastes. And I do think there's an exhortation for each one of us, whether young or old or somewhere in between. And so hear God's word this morning. It's printed in the bulletin for you on page 6. It's also on page 559 of the Black Pew Bible or however you want to follow along. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of grinding is low. And one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and this time to be before you and before your word. We pray that you would preach to us by your word and by me as a servant, exactly what we need to hear, where there is exhortation, where there is encouragement, where there is edification. Lord, I pray those would be your words and they'd remain with us. And where there's uncertainty or confusion, I pray those are mine and they would quickly pass. Lord, we do thank you for this time. And we pray that you'd minister to us through your spirit, by your word, to your glory, and for our good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I've told you before, but I'll tell you again, I can't say that I remember a whole lot of sermon titles. Not my own and not others for sure. But one I do remember is from over 20 years ago when I was in seminary. One of the students preached a sermon and it was titled, Love is a Pile of Rocks. He was preaching from Joshua 4. Uh, We, a couple years ago, preached from the book of Joshua, and you may recall, as God's people are moving into the promised land, they cross over the Jordan, and after they cross over it, God has them to create a stack of rocks, stones of remembrance for them, 12 of those, one for each tribe, 
And in some ways you think, well, I mean, it's just a rock. What does that matter? What would that do? Well, why would God care for a pile of rocks? Well, he cares in that time, at that moment, and for us, because they served a purpose of a lasting memorial to the work that God had done. So that every time God's people would see those rocks, or maybe even just another rock, they might be reminded of what God has done. See, the Lord knows that it's easy for us to forget, and it's easy for us to lose sight of what matters. I sometimes wonder if I'm not just floating through life and I get to a place and I go, how did I get here? Well, I was just floating without any real recognition of what God was calling me to or what he was doing. And so we need help remembering and reflecting. We need help making the Lord the priority of our lives or keeping them here and there in our lives. You might wonder how many days or months or years have we wasted in our lives because of what we've prioritized apart from him, what we've chased without much of a sense of God being part of that or it mattering. What relationships or addictions have we substituted for our connection with the Lord? And so my theme is a simple question. How do we make or keep Christ the priority of our lives? So obviously we're in the Old Testament, but I'm bringing it forward in the sense of Christ is our Lord. We recognize his lordship in our lives and the work that he's done in salvation. And so this applies to him and our relationship to him. But you could also change it and say, how do we keep or make the Lord the priority of our lives? And I've already given them to you, two R's. Remember and reflect. Remember and reflect. The first one is remember your creator. And the younger we do that, the better off we will be in our lives. That's what verse 1 says. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. And there's a reason that the author of Ecclesiastes says do it then. But let's focus here on the remembering also your creator Two R's came before this. Jacob preached from last week in chapter 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. And then verse 10, there's another R. Remove vexation from your heart. That is, uh, don't be focused so much on other things in this world. Though you will experience difficulty. So now we have a third R. Remember. And we need to hear that because forgetfulness is a spiritual condition. I'm not talking about memory loss. I'm not talking about things you cannot control. I'm talking about our capacities to so quickly forget what God has done in our lives or is doing in our lives. The call to remember is echoed throughout Scripture. Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of that place, Exodus 13. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Exodus 20. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has uttered, 1 Chronicles 16. I will remember 
the deed of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your holy deeds. Psalm 77. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. Timothy, the second book, chapter 2. And we here each week when we receive communion, do this in remembrance of me. And I think it was about a month ago I shared shared with you something that Luther had said. Martin Luther said, I need the gospel every day because I forget it every day. Remembering here is more than a mental exercise. Derek Kidner says, for our part to remember him is no perfunctory or purely mental act. It is to drop our pretense of self-sufficiency and commit ourselves to him. That's what we mean when we say, remember also your creator. This will be a daily or can be, should be a daily exercise. And creator here reminds us that the Lord is universal in his lordship, in his creatorship. It's not, it goes beyond or... Uh, broader, we might say, than speaking of Yahweh. It speaks to every person everywhere. Remember also your creator. It also connects us with the power that creates. If you are remembering, if you're coming before your creator, then you're coming before the one who has created and can recreate. And it's also very personal You ever had your own creations? You ever seen it with children or grandchildren? Some child has made something, maybe a tower of blocks, and another child comes over and knocks it over. Guess what? That feels very personal, doesn't it? The creation, the act of creation is a personal act. God is a personal God. This is no simple thing of just being so broad that it's meaningless no it means much and the timing is here when should we do this well before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say i have no pleasure in them that that is to say that the author of ecclesiastes whether it's solomon or someone else their counsel is to begin to make christ a priority of your life sooner rather than later I went to visit a woman named Almeida. Almeida was in a nursing home. I was serving as an interim pastor with another seminary student, Baptist Church in Godfrey, Illinois. And I went to visit Almeida, and of course, as a young seminary student, I thought, you know, I was there for her. I think, really, she was there for me. And of course, that's how much uh, a lot of ministry goes, and Amita began to just minister to my soul, and she was 93 years old, and she didn't feel great a lot of the time. She struggled with different aspects of her physical well-being as well as her relationships, but here's what she said to me. She said, I've known the Lord for over 80 years, and he has always been good to me why would i turn on him now see that's a 93 year old remembering her creator it was an act of faith to say that he's always 
been good to me. It was an act of praise to be able to say that and say, why would I turn on him now? And so we ask the question, how are you doing in remembering your creator on an ongoing daily basis? In that biblical sense of remembering, not just like thinking, oh, well, God exists, but orienting and prioritizing Christ in your lives because every day we're pulled and prodded in different ways. Every day we're presented a bevy of false gods to worship, whether it be reputation or position or power or money or any, any number of other things. And we all have known times when we've yielded to sinful desires and temptations and chased after fool's gold and feeble thrones. Even how we start our days sometimes matters. Do you start with remembering your creator or are you automatically pulled in to the push and pull of life? And I'm speaking to myself as much as you. What pushes God out of the picture? Where do you set up boundaries that you allow God to be a part of your life over here? But over here, I'd rather him not have anything to do with. J.I. Packer writes, do I as a Christian understand myself? Do I know my own real identity, my own real destiny? And so he calls this the secret of a Christian life and a God-iring life. He go, he, he's passed on now, but he would go over six things every day, six truths, and he would say them over and over to himself first thing in the morning and last thing at night. He'd say this, and any time you had time, he would do it. The first one, I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. Those were the six things that he would go over in his heart and mind. Starting with, I am a child of God. God is my father. So how do we start? How do we remember? That's something for us to consider. But another thing that can push out remembering our creator and having Christ to be a priority of our lives is the fear that we have. Fear of the unknown, fear of an uncertain future, fear of God asking more than you're ready to give. Fear of disease, fear of disappointment, fear of failure. Feeling fear of being known for who you really are, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of disapproval, fear of giving up or letting go, fear of being wrong, fear of trusting God, fear of being alone. And on and on it goes. We have all sorts of fears that we wrestle with. One of the last things I read to Rachel before she passed, and not because I sensed that she was fearful. Maybe it was more for me than it was for her. But Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you. O Jacob, he who formed you. O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Just like J.I. Packer starts with, I am a child of God. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I don't know about you, but I need to remember that that's God's word and truth to me. So we remember this in the midst of 
our mornings and in light of our fears, I need to remember my Creator. You don't prioritize what and who you forget. So remember your Creator who has become your Savior through Christ. But there's also a fourth R if you're following the, and I didn't make the alliteration, God did. Right? Except for this one, I'm adding this one. Reflect the reality of your lives. The author does just that, especially as he reflects on aging and various afflictions that come. When our children were small, one of our children was going around the table naming each one of us. And this one child got to the other child and that child said, I don't want to be me. You ever feel like that? I don't want to be me. Solomon, or, or the author of Ecclesiastes, is telling us that we need to set our priorities about our life and our relationship with God before we get to that point where we really, truly mean it. I don't want to be me. And before we have the ability to do, do so, as the author says, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. Verses 2 through 5 have this personal experience, these metaphors for the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened in the days of the when the keepers of the house tremble. All these are metaphors for your body. Some of them are clearer than others. But maybe as you age, you're not as strong as you used to be. Your body trembles a little bit more. Strong men are bent. Grinders, teeth, cease because they are few. Remember, this is written at a time when modern medicine did not exist. So maybe the teeth fall out of your head and they're not replaced. Those who look through the windows are dimmed. I am, I'll admit, I've said it before, I'm having a little trouble seeing it as clearly at night as I used to. But I refuse to wear those readers or any other, just, I'm, Stubborn, that's the word. But apparently, as you get older, these things happen and you don't have a choice in them. And that's exactly what's being described here. The windows are dimmed. You don't see as well as you used to. And so it goes on. And again, some of these things are easier to understand than others. But there's this idea of the darkness of winter approaching. And for us all, whether we make it to old age or not, we may experience some other providence. There is a principle at work here to make Christ a priority of our lives before it's too late. And too late would be defined by the finality of death, which we will all face at some point. We may make it to an older age and experience the difficulties that come with that. Or we might not, but the principle is still the same. Reflect on your life, reflect on reality, realize what comes, whether you want it or not. And if that's true, then what should be your priority? Where should your reflections take you? That's where the author's going. Before, verse 6, the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. 
before our life comes to an end, the dust returns to the earth as it was. Another older lady I met before I'd met Almeida, her name was Norma. Lydia knew her too. Norma was a woman that when I found out her actual age, I thought, what in the world has happened to you? When I first met Norma working at the Athens Hardware Company, that one of the first things she said to me is, I can't, I'm ready to retire. And I thought, okay, that must be coming right around the corner. I said, okay, when do you get to retire, Norma? It's another seven years. I think, oh my. She was in her late 50s, early 60s, but she looked like she could have been 70 or 80. She looked beat down by life. And to the shame, I think, of some of the men that I worked with who would claim Christ, they treated her quite poorly. But I, every day I'd come in and I'd say, good morning, Norma. And Norma would say, what's good about it? That was kind of where she was in life. And it was hard to hear of her struggles and to know that there were others beside that I did not know. In her dying days, she was struck with cancer. And there was one man who uh, approached her gently and lovingly that also had worked with her that I'm thankful for. And she accepted Christ before she passed away. But it was a difficult life that she had lived. And to reflect on that was hard to hear. But it's necessary for us to do because we live in a fallen, broken world. And we are broken by the fall of man into sin. Our own and others as a result. And so we reflect back and we reflect forward. We look at what God has done in the past and we look forward to what he's doing. And Christ helps us with both of these. And the honesty of scripture should be a comfort to us and a prodding. Uh, John Piper on aging says, we have found the fountain of youth. His name is Jesus Christ. Aging Christians don't stay beautiful and strong in this life. But they do become beautiful and strong in the resurrection. And so the implication, he goes on to say, is this. Don't pour your time and energy and resources into artificial aging inhibitors. Pour them into aging with holiness and grace. And I think that's a word for every one of us, regardless of where we are. I recently heard about a tech millionaire who's spending $2 million a year to try to reverse his physical age. He's 45 years old, and he's done it to some degree. But I'll be honest, I draw the line at monthly colonoscopies, which is what he's doing. Because he's measuring everything. He's got a, all these scientists and dietitians and people, and, and he's trying to get to be an 18-year-old man in his health. Not through surgery, through exercise and diet, and he recognizes not everybody can do it like this, but he's spending his millions this way and while he will achieve some success and i do draw the line at some places he will not be able to stop what is written into the laws of this world and the law of sin and the consequences of sin is death and life is fragile and unexpected. You could, you could spend your millions of dollars every year to make yourself like an 18-year-old and not see the drunk driver coming at you. Right? 
it's unexpected and fragile. So reflect on who you are before God. We find it too easy to hope in what the next day will will bring and change of our circumstances without ever actually desiring to change ourselves internally. Too easy for us to decide that we can deal with God at a more convenient time. When that time never comes, life is fragile and unexpected. So now is the time for us to reflect on who we are before our God. Thomas Watson says, tomorrow may be our dying day. Let this be our repenting day. So how do we make Christ a priority in our lives or keep him a priority? Remember your creator daily. Remember who Christ is to you. And reflect on your life and the reality of life in a fallen world. That while we may experience difficulties as we age, God is faithful to us, for he has given us his son. And one of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, 457. It's one of those hymns that we would probably sing more frequently if I was just picking my favorites all the time. And I sometimes have to tell Jacob, no, we already sang that last week. And sometimes I don't. I just let it ride. But the second verse contains a word that most of us may be familiar with as a name, but I hope you know what it means. It's the, it's the name or the word Ebenezer. What does that word mean? It's a Hebrew word. It means stone of help. That's exactly what that pile of rocks was. They were stones of help. Help to remember. Help to reflect Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. And in 1 Samuel 7, Samuel sets up an Ebenezer to commemorate the Lord's deliverance of of Israel from the attacks of the Philistines. And then that's exactly what's happening in Joshua. And it's a way that we're reminded. And what do we have? I don't have a pile of rocks for you, but I do have God's word. I do have this sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and we do have one another to help us as we work together to keep Christ the priority of our lives or to make him so. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, you do care about our lives in the minutia. Lord, not just that we maybe uh, became a Christian and we sometimes think of you and sometimes don't but lord you you love us and you care for us so much that you desire all of who we are and you will have it and lord we thank you for that but we pray as we grow in our sanctification as we grow in our walk with you that you'd help us to remember you actively daily look to you and also to reflect on where our lives are going and who we'd be without you so that more and more you become our priority. Lord, we thank you for our fathers and, and mothers in the faith who as they age, help us to see what it means to walk with you. I thank you for women like Almeida. I thank you for many of the men and women here at North Hills who also help us. And Lord, we pray that whether we are young or old, that we would be an example and a witness to the world around us by your power and for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you turn in page 7 in our bulletin, we have 
this morning a unison confession of faith from the Nicene Creed, which we'll use today. If this isn't your confession, you by no means uh, have to say this with us. You might just want to listen, but if this reflects your belief, then I invite you, as many have done through the millennia, confessing their faith, we join them as one in Christ. Christian, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Like I said to you, we don't have.